right, well, good morning, Liquid Church. Are you awake? Can I hear you? Come on, let's go, guys. You're awake? All right, awesome. Hey, I want to welcome you. Uh, we're so glad you're here. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, we are one church. We have six different locations. They're joining us on the big screen. Can you say happy Cinco de Mayo to all our campuses? What's up, guys? Great to have you all with us. Hey, some of you are looking good. Some of you actually went home and showered. That's a win in this church. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we had... 575 men, women, children, students sleep out last night on behalf of the homeless across New Jersey and New York. Thank you from my heart to yours. Um, we slept out, we got soaked, and we are sleepless right now. So who knows what's going to happen in this service, but we did that if you're new. Um, part of our heartbeat as a church really is for the most vulnerable uh, in our state, and that includes our brothers and sisters who are living on the streets who are shelter insecure. It just means they don't have a roof over their head predictably every night like you and I are accustomed to. They may be food insecure. And so uh, we partner with an incredible organization, New York City Relief Bus, uh, who has been helping transform the lives of homeless friends uh, for the last 30 years. Pretty incredible. And so I want to show you what uh, several hundred people did actually not only here in Morris County, but we had a second location in Sayreville. Let me show you some pictures just so you can kind of, maybe you're on Instagram, but uh, go to the first one. You'll see last night, it was like, it, that's before the rain came. It was like a, a cardboard city. Everybody got their cardboard, their trash back. Next slide. And they started setting up. Some people were building condominium uh, complexes and units, double-deckers. Next slide. Uh, we had, uh, there's Pastor Kyra with some people. First time I've seen Kyra's hair out of place. That's amazing. Uh, and next slide. Our pastors were out there. We have Pastor Scott. I think the next one's Pastor John. And uh, or there's Pastor Mike and Chris Capuet. So they're in Middlesex County. They actually did on a field. So you can imagine a little bit soggy. It was kind of fun. People dressed up as Avengers and whatnot. You're like, you know, uh, heroes for, for, for homeless friends. Next one. Uh, let's see. It was cool. We had life groups, small groups serving together. This is a group of millennials. They kind of like had a hippie commune. They like put all their boxes together and had like 15 people in the same, uh, in the same box, which I just kept going with the flashlight. You all right in there? What's going on in there? Uh, next one. Uh, let's see. We had, here's Pastor John from Somerset. Next one. Uh, we have, oh, this was kind of funny. So Pastor Nithin and I go check in with his daughter, Selah. She's there with her friend Morgan. And they're like, welcome to our townhouse. And uh, I said, can I have a tour? And they're like, this is the kitchen. Uh, this is our shoe rack. And this is where we keep snacks. I was like, oh, I like snacks. And then they kicked us out. They actually kicked out the, they're like, no adults. Go ahead, next slide. Uh, it was really, it was a special night, very poignant. Many people dedicated it. Uh, to certain people that they know on the streets, or this person actually put Deuteronomy 15. I love this verse that she chose. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I, the Lord, command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. And you can see they put out actually a welcome mat uh, at their door, which was so cool. So a lot of people praying and, and committing different scriptures uh, to heart through the night. If you go to the next slide, uh, you'll see the relief bus was actually at both locations. Can we thank the relief bus and their leaders? They, they were here all night too. Um, so people actually got to eat the hot soup 
that we serve out on the streets of Newark and Patterson and Harlem and the Bronx. Uh, we had hot soup, bread, cocoa. Next slide. And uh, it really was to really raise awareness. That was our goal. See, here's the thing, guys. Uh, it's interesting, but homelessness uh, is growing, and it's invisible to people. Because right now, right, the economy's like fairly stable. Uh, joblessness is at a, as an all-time low for, I think, the last 10 years. But um, homelessness is on the rise, 10% in the last year in New Jersey, because the cost of living is becoming so high. And so there are families who are like on minimum wage now sleeping in their cars. So that the face of homelessness is changing. And as a church, we just have a heart to help. We're not political. We're just like, hey, can we do something about this? And so uh, we said, you know what? We want to give $30 for every person who's willing to sleep out on behalf of the homeless to New York City uh, relief. I'll show you the last slide here. Um, uh, next one. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, it, it started pouring, okay, <laughs> around, around 2 a.m. And uh, I'll tell you, there were, there were some brave souls who stuck it out, man. They came in soaked. They looked like wet, you know, muskrats when they came in here uh, at 6 a.m. But if you can see, this is actually not uncommon. So this is our broadcast campus. People came in with their soaking wet sleeping bags. It was loud. People were snoring. That is, that is kind of how it is. Uh, Juan Galloway, the president who you're going to hear from today, he says that's not uncommon. He said homeless folks, when it snows or rains or sleets, they'll move inside, and that's kind of what Penn Station looks like. And so it, it's, it's very difficult because people on the street are always on edge. They're never well-rested. The things that we take for granted, you know, a, a pillow is a luxury to many of them. So I just want to thank you for those of you who said, you know what, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, out of this little bubble. And I, I tell you this, guys. I'm so proud of you parents. We had hundreds of families with uh, kids, uh, students, children. There's even a, a, a family who brought their baby. I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea, but, uh, <laughs> but that's awesome because they said, you know what? We want our kids. We live in a little bit of a bubble here sometimes. And they need to know that we live in Oz and that there's another reality to this world that when you're blessed, you're blessed for a purpose. You're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. So you guys were a blessing in a big way. I'm going to tell you, give you the big reveal in a minute. But we did this in honor of uh, the Relief Bus's 30th anniversary. Um, they are the uh, leaders here in New York, uh, in New Jersey area. They not only provide food uh, on a daily basis to uh, our friends on the streets, but they also connect them to shelter, to job training, uh, detox if they need to get into rehabilitation programs. They make a massive impact, and you're going to hear about lives that have been transformed uh, through the ministry of the Relief Bus. If you don't know who they are, you're going to, by the end of today's service, take a look at this quick overview, and then I'll introduce Juan. This year, New York City Relief marks 30 years of making space at the table. We exist to compassionately serve the struggling and homeless by offering hope and resources that lead towards life transformation. We started in 1989 when the Bible verses from Isaiah 58 about sharing your food with the hungry and giving shelter to the homeless came alive to Richard and Dixie Galloway. They felt led to move to New York City and serve people struggling with poverty and homelessness. Today in 2019, we have seven outreach vehicles. We go to eight outreaches a week in five different locations. And now we actually have two outreach models. 
the Relief Bus is our mobile resource center, which provides food, hygiene kits, and a safe, welcoming space where connections can be made. The Relief Co-op is a partnership with other organizations where a homeless population is already congregating. We help create an encouraging atmosphere and hold life care visits. In the past 30 years, we've actually served over 7 million servings of food and beverage. We've mobilized over 96,000 volunteers and we've made 456,000 one-on-one connections with people experiencing homelessness. In the past 10 years alone, we've connected people from the street with 11,700 resources. As of December 2018, New York City has the largest homeless population of any city in the United States, with almost 79,000 people reported homeless. Every outreach is critical. Rain, sleet, snow, or heat, our guests can count on us to be there for them. Driving someone directly to rehab, advocating for them as they navigate the social services we've connected them to, praying together for strength. The connections we make can literally be the difference between life and death. Our six-year strategy is actually to add two outreaches each year and completely saturate the New York City metro area by having an outreach location within walking distance of each major transportation hub in New York and New Jersey. Making space at the table is ultimately about creating space in our lives to give of our time, energy, and resources to help others realize the potential that God intended for their lives. What kind of space will you make? What kind of space will you make? Come join us at the table. Guys, would you welcome the president and CEO and my friend, Juan Galloway. Thank you. Grateful for you, my friend. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, and just to show you, man, this is really, this is commitment. Juan, actually, you slept out last night. Oh, yeah, I did. Kind of. Who, who else was with you? Uh, my son, Corbin, came from college late yesterday. He did it. And my son, Connor, who's a junior in high school. So it was a father-son night in the rain <laughs> and in it, the hall. Exactly, yeah. exactly. With about 90 minutes of sleep probably somewhere in there. So you're in for a treat today. Uh, but listen, hey, this is kind of the fun part, okay? So um, just to let you know what impact you had. And again, if you weren't able to sleep out, that's completely fine. We understand. But we just want to get understand in just really some small way um, some of the things that we take for granted and then see what kind of impact we can make through providing uh, critical resources. So here's, here's the grand totals, all right? So we had 575 people uh, participate. We said uh, as a church, we would give $30 per person, but then here's the, the God news. I mean, this was like a, a miracle thing. Um, this week we were contacted by a very generous family in our church who said, you know what? We have a heart to help. Um, we can't be there to sleep out, 
but we want to help the homeless too. And so they said, we're going to double the donation. Uh, whatever you guys do, they're going to double. So yeah, let's hear it for that. That's incredible. That's like a Holy Spirit moment, right? Like it's incredible. Incredible generosity. So uh, that took, I, I think, about 17-something thousand, made it 34,000, which is amazing. But then watch this. Uh, others of you who said, oh, I want to help too, but I, I can't sleep out, uh, added another $15,500. And so it's our joy to present this check for $50,000 to New York City Relief. Wow. You guys did this. You guys did this. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. We are so excited to partner uh, with you guys, Juan, and we just thank you because you're there day in, day out on the streets, and it, it really is humbling to be able to say, hey man, if we can, if we can pour fuel on the fire mm. of what God is doing, because you're seeing life transformation. Yeah. So just to let you know kind of what this represents, uh, we'll show you the impact of what this is gonna have in terms of servings of food and drink. Um, this is gonna provide 6,667 meals uh, this spring and summer. It's gonna provide over 3,330 hygiene kits. Uh, and, and those of you who slept out are like, oh, yeah, I could, I could use a toothbrush right now. That'd yeah. be awesome. And then I was curious about this. I get a lot of questions, Juan, because it's going to have over 1,660 Metro cards. Some people are like, why does a homeless person need a Metro card? Yeah, well, it's expensive to get around New York City or to take a train. <laughs> True. And we connect people to resources to change their lives. Uh, but obviously, they have to get from our outreach to the resource. Sometimes we can drive them. Uh, other times, we need to put them on a train to get to that shelter or that rehab or okay. that job training program. Awesome, awesome. So guys, what you did is made a massive, massive impact. And from my heart to yours, thank you. Thank you for being such a generous church, not just with your, your finances, but also just with your time and saying, you know what? I'm willing to sleep out with you know my son or daughter, get soaked in the rain and count all joy uh, for Jesus. Um, Juan is not just uh, uh, the president of the Relief Bus, he's also an author. And uh, his book, Provoke, just came out. You can get it on Amazon.com. I love the subtitle, keep this on the screen. How to love people relentlessly and do beautiful works that make you and others come alive. What's the inspiration for this book, Juan? Well, I've been working in New York City really for 17 years with people living on the streets. And God used those friendships, those people to provoke me and change my life. Yeah. So I met Jesus in a whole new way. And so I wanted to tell their stories and my story of how God changed me. It's super powerful um, stories in here of 17 years of life transformation. You're gonna hear a few of them this morning. So uh, why don't I hold on to this check? Yes. I promise I'll give it back That'd to you great. when you're ready to go. But would you welcome Juan Galloway who brings God's word this Thank morning? You. Thank, Thank you, you brother. Awesome. Wow, what a night. Uh, not all of you got to be out there, but yeah, it was real. It got real about 3 a.m. Um, after the uh, first two services, multiple people came up to me and said, uh, one woman said, I slept out last night for my ex-husband who lived in his car, was homeless, and he passed away last year. Another woman said, uh, I'm actually sleeping out last night for my father who's been homeless and now he has MS. And one woman said, I'm, I slept out last night uh, for my daughter who's addicted to heroin right now and I'm trusting God for her life to change. And so this is big stuff. What, what Liquid Church has done 
I've never seen any church do that I've ever worked with. Uh, and, and this is my church, which makes me feel really good because <laughs> I go here. Um, you know, the message last week, the part one of Homeless Church, so powerful. And, and then the folks who went out and slept outside on behalf and solidarity uh, with those who were living on the streets. It was so amazing. And so I'm so glad to be able to be here this morning and share with you uh, this message, which is titled Making Space at the Table. That's what I'm talking about today. You know, Jesus, it's, sometimes it's hard for us to relate to Jesus. Like, whoa, I mean, he walked on water. I can't do that. He did these amazing, powerful miracles, cast out devils. I've never done that. I'm not sure if I can. I want to talk about Jesus' everyday life, his daily, you know, what he was doing. Uh, a lot of his life happened right here at the table. Uh, so many stories in scripture are him having uh, dinner, breaking bread with someone. I don't know if you remember uh, the first miracle. It was at a party at the table, right? It's a wedding feast, right? He turned water into wine. You may remember the woman came with an alabaster box and broke that perfume and it was so expensive and extravagant. Where was he at? He was around the table hanging out with friends. He was a people person. He loved to be with people. And so, you know, I know if Jesus made place for people at the table and he spent time with people, we can do that. that that's, our, that's our job. And it's powerful. And so that's what I want to talk about today. You may have heard this phrase before. When you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. Now that's a powerful statement because in our culture, unfortunately, people want to just hoard and get as more and more and more in order to insulate themselves from people they don't want to have anything to do with and isolate themselves from the riffraff, you know, and be the elite. Jesus says, no, we're going to do just the opposite. He came from heaven where he had everything down to earth to connect with those of us who desperately needed somebody to come after us. And so now he's saying, guess what? Some of those blessings I gave you, they're not for you. You just steward them because you're going to give it to somebody else and bless them. And, you know, it's not just money and material things. It's actually ourselves. He wants to spend ourselves on behalf of others. That's what he did for us. And so now he says, take up your cross and follow me. So that's what it's about this morning, making space at the table. It's using our blessings to actually make more spaces for people to be near us, to get close, right? To build a bridge uh, so they can know uh, Jesus. Now, why did Jesus spend so much time eating with people? Was he just like that, like hungry all the time? <laughs> What's the deal? I mean, why did he, you know, always like, all right, more food. You go, on, let's hang out. Let's spend time together. What's that about? Well, Jesus knew, I think we all know this too, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, right? You know, we all wear masks and we have images and, you know, we're performers, but it's like when you get around the table, it's you can just let down your hair, take the mask off and be like, Man, let me tell you what happened this week. It was hard. Or you can laugh at yourself or, or whatever. That's where life happens. That's where you get close, right? That's where Jesus wants to be with us. Not some religious figure. He wants to be our best friend. So that's what it's about. Sometimes we're hangry, right? We're hungry. We're angry. We need some comfort. We need some comfort food. And so using those physical things to connect with people and break bread, it levels the playing field. That's why we set up tables and chairs in every outreach, out, every outreach location New York City Relief does. Harlem, Bronx, Midtown, Newark, Patterson. We're putting tables and chairs everywhere. Why? You've got a place at the table. Let's sit down. Let's be friends. Let's get to know each other. That's where life transformation happens. 
Now, what's been happening this, this weekend with this sleep out is basically all these folks sleeping out and all those people who gave, you're building a longer table. Let me share what that looks like for New York City Relief. We go to eight outreach locations every week, but here's our plan. Check this out. We are going to go, we're going we're gonna to go to 20 outreaches and we're going to blanket the New York City metro area. All the red ones are our current ones. All the blue ones are where we're going because we're going to give all 78,000 homeless people chance, access to one of our locations where they can have friends who care, people who love them, and help to turn their lives around. And that's because you help make a space at the table. So let's give a hand to everybody who gave, everybody who slept out. Thank you. We're making this thing happen. This is the real deal. I have an outreach leader on my staff. Her name, she's a rock star. Her name is Lauren Lee. She has been out in the streets loving people, hugging people, you know, serving the, the least, the last, and the lost. And she wrote something recently I want to share with you because I think she, she really nailed it. Here's what she said. New York City Relief is combating relationship starvation. Not just food starvation, but relationship starvation for folks facing homelessness. Catch this. Men, women, and children living in the streets, in the shelters, even subways are deprived. They're starved of meaningful relationships and it affects every part of their lives. A lot of our friends on the streets have a hard time experiencing hope. We provide meaningful conversations, develop deep relationships, and we strive to bring relief to our neighbors struggling in homelessness. You see, the more isolated we become, the sicker we become, right? The, the more we're separated from people who care, the more we start to shrivel up. That's why God is calling us to feed that, that, that hunger for relationship, that hunger for love, that somebody cares, that they don't think I'm the trash of society, that I matter to God. And so that's why we've got to put you know, feet to the, the heart of God. You know, Jesus, not only did he like to sit around the table with people, he liked to sit around the table with people that his society and his culture thought were no good and he shouldn't have anything to do with. So many examples. Little kids, right? The little kids wanted to come and his disciples are like, no, he's too important for that. He's like, what? Bring the kids on. I love the kids, right? I mean, he had tax collectors, people who were basically treasonous, working for the enemy, the Romans. Jesus not only liked them and ate with them, like Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew brought all the other tax collectors in town and said, let's sit around the table and hang out with Jesus. Jesus hung out with the worst people, adulterers, uh, alcoholics, right? This, all the sinners because Jesus said, hey, basically, the sick are the ones who need a doctor. That's who I'm here for. That's what this is all about. So of course I'm going to make a space at the table for them. Those are my favorites. And, you know, God has a special place in his heart for those on the fringe. I want to share a scripture with you that I just found. It's been in the Bible a long time. I just found it. I'm just saying. And it's from the Old Testament. Can I go Old Testament on you? Yes. All right, get ready. Buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. Job chapter 36, verse 16. It says this. But those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. He comes into it, in other words. Not from a distance. He goes in. And it goes on to say, he is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction to the comfort of what? Your table laden with choice food. 
I love, bless you, I love how descriptive that verse is. First of all, he comes into our, 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 our suffering. He comes into our affliction. He comes up close to us. He sits close to us at the table like, I'm here with you. We got this. And then he doesn't just say, but those who suffer. He says, I'm wooing you from the jaws of distress. Have you ever had to woo somebody? Anybody ever wooed anybody? Come on, I know there's somebody. Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. All right, thank you, brother. Uh, glad somebody. When I met my, my wife, we were as teenagers, very young. I saw her and I was like, woo, yeah, hot stuff. Uh, I want her to be my girl, right? Uh, she was not so much interested. She was like, talk to the hand. We'll be friends. I was like, I don't want to be friends. I want a girlfriend, right? So I had to woo her. I had to go to work. I, I, I first date, I bought her flowers. That, that, was, that was a winner right there. She had never gotten flowers from anybody. Uh, I even wrote her a song once on my guitar and I sang it to her underneath her window. You know, she loved that, right? And so, you see, you know, now I've been, it, 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 let me tell you, it worked. I've been married 26 years, I have four kids. So, the wooing, it works, okay? I don't have to woo anymore, job is done. Woo, what can I say? Take a break. No, I'm just kidding. I have to keep wooing my wife, right? If I want to have a great marriage. This is what God does for us. He's wooing us. You know the five love languages? You ever heard of that? That book, famous book. I never read it, but I get the idea. Everybody needs to be loved in their own way, their own language. It's not a cookie cutter thing. That's what Jesus did for us. He wooed us, right? And now he's calling us to woo others. And from what is he wooing us? The jaws of distress. That is really graphic. When I think of the jaws of distress, I'm going to be honest. I think of pit bulls. I know there's somebody in here, you're like, you have a pit bull at home and you think it's so sweet and nice and everything. I'm like, just don't come near me with that thing, okay? Because a pit bull, their jaws are so powerful. If they grab onto you, you, can't, you could beat it with a baseball bat. That thing's not letting go. It's that strong. Jesus, when he came after us, he was the only one that could pry the jaws open of our distress and woo us into what? A spacious place, free from restriction. Now, when I think of that, I think of the movies where there's the field and the flowers and the guys running and the girl, and they're like running to each other and they're like, yes, right? They're in love. That's what the Lord is wooing us to, this open, spacious place where we can live. And then it says, to your table, laden with choice food, like, come on, I want to get to know you. Tell me your story. I want to spend time together. I want to be intimate. That's our God. That's our Jesus. He's not a power up in space. He's a God that came as a man to be close to us. He just couldn't stand to be far apart. He wooed us. Now, some of you are the pragmatic people, and you say, Juan, that's nice that you're nice to these homeless people, and you feed them, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just mere sentimentalism or even worse. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's even enabling, like you're, you're just enabling their behavior. Uh, it doesn't really change their lives. You know, does it really make a big difference? Uh, don't people just have to help themselves? You couldn't be more wrong. That, let me tell you a story about a man I met named Jose. It was Midtown Manhattan. It was an outreach that we do on 28th and 9th in Chelsea Park. This man named Jose came to the bus for the first time. He didn't know anything about us, what we're doing, but he needed help. And he came to the table and he had a hot cup of soup. We got him hot chocolate. We got him a 
fresh Portuguese roll, and we got to talking. We got to, you know, sharing stories, and he had one of the worst stories I'd ever heard. The man had been addicted to heroin for decades. He'd been in detox, out of detox, in rehab, out of rehab, over and over. He was clothed with shame. He was bound in just like embarrassment and failure. And as he told me this story, I was like, in my head, I know, okay, we're going to help connect him to detox and rehab and all that, but that's not the answer. I said, Jose, we need God to show up. He's our only hope. Would it be okay if I prayed for you? And he said, yeah. And I wrapped my arms around him and Nancy, one of our staff, and we prayed and the power of God showed up. The power of the Holy Spirit fell on this man. He began to weep, tears just pouring out, all the pain, all the rejection. And it's like God showed up and said, I love you, Jose. I'm not done with you. I have not written you off, Jose. Check this out. A year later, he writes me an email. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to put it on the screen. He said to me, Juan, today I'm no longer struggling with my heroin addiction and I have better control over my life. I've been off heroin now for two months. My life has improved greatly since my decision to stop. I no longer sleep in the streets. I'm back with my family. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, I'm working with a psychologist who helps me with my personal issues. I want to thank God for giving me the opportunity to have met you. Your kind nature helped restore my waning faith in humanity. That's what happens at the table. It's not every day that a total stranger stops to speak to a, uh, with a struggling heroin addict. Hopefully, God, hopefully with God's will, we will once again smile, hug, and shake each other's hands in a show of brotherly love. Until then... You remain my spiritual brother. I'm not perfect, but at least I try to improve some of my character flaws each and every day. If ever a day were to arise where you should need my help in any way, please do not hesitate to contact me. God bless you each and every day of your life. Sincerely, your friend in the struggle, Jose. Is that amazing? This is what happens at the table. Hearts open up. Jesus comes in. Otherwise, where would any of us be? We all are desperate for his help. Well, you know, there's a story I'm going to talk about where Jesus, actually, he was invited to a dinner at a table. He was invited by uh, uh, somebody who's a, kind of a big shot, a Pharisee. He was kind of a religious boss in the neighborhood. And the Pharisee thought, you know what? If I invite that Jesus over, everybody's going to think I'm pretty hot stuff. You know, hey, we got the Jesus guy. That guy's famous. I've heard about him. So the Pharisee invited all, all the who's who in town, doctors, lawyers, right, the wealthy. He invited the scribes, the Pharisees, all they could see, like, how great he was. And so they invited Jesus to the, this feast, this fancy feast, not the cat food, a real fancy feast, okay? And it's the best. It's the best food. It's the best wine. And what you're supposed to do after the dinner is you're supposed to like, be like, wow, you know, Jesus should have gotten up and said, I want to thank publicly my hosts and thank all of you for honoring me. He didn't do any of that. He does something really crazy. Let me read to you from the book of Luke chapter 14. He turns to the host and he says, you did this all wrong, basically. He says, the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends, your family, and your rich neighbors, these folks. He says, the kind of, those are the kind of people who will return the favor. 
Instead of that, invite some people who never get invited out. Who? The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You will be, and you'll experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor. Oh, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. Do you get, get God's heart here? Jesus is saying to them, the Pharisee, he's like, you did this all wrong in front of everybody. And they're like, what? And this guy's like, ah, you know, he's like deer in the headlights. Like, this is not how I plan this going, <laughs> right? And, and then he, Jesus says, don't invite any of these people. So they're like, you know, their face is turning red. Like, I, what, what's wrong with, what did I do? And Jesus isn't trying to be mean. He's trying to say, I want you to get a hold of my heart. It's not about puffing yourself up and being a big shot and showing everybody how great you are. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours and we'll climb our way to the top. Jesus is saying, I want you to take those on the bottom and lift them up. I want you to wash their feet like I do. I want you to lower yourself to serve. That's what I'm doing. That's, what, that's Jesus' ministry in a nutshell, right? He let everybody come to him and he served them and he loved them. And he's saying... Guess what? I want you to make a space at the table. And it says the outcast. I'm going to give the NIV version. The, the literal words. He said, here's who you should invite to the table. The poor, the blind, and the lame. Why? Well, the poor were considered nobodies, worthless. In fact, cursed by God. And so were the other folks, the handicapped people. Those who were blind, those who were lame. They could only sit by the gate and beg Nobody's going to invite them over to the house. They're not going to help me increase my position. But Jesus said, no, I love them. They're the best. You know? And so he says, bring them to the table. That's a party. Now that's a fancy feast, right? Not, not the cat food again. A fancy feast. Um, so let's think about what does the table represent? Because it's not just, a, it is a literal table. Inviting somebody to your literal table, that's a big deal. But it's also inviting people into your heart. The Lord is asking us to make space in our heart for people who are different than us, people that might make us nervous for some reason, uh, socioeconomic, cultural, color, lifestyle, whatever. Jesus is saying, make space for them in your life. Um, make space in your emotions. Make space in your faith, right? Make space in your schedule, your Google Calendar. Your Google Calendar, mine is so packed. It's like 50 colors and all day. There's not even one little, there's no margin. He's saying, Make some space for people. They matter to me. Don't be all about just getting everything you want. Make some space for somebody else to be blessed. Build a longer table, right? Now, I mentioned my book, Pastor Tim mentioned my book earlier, Provoked. The whole book is based off of one core verse. I'm going to read it to you now, okay? Uh, it's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto what? Love and good works, not forsaking our own assembling together. Now that's a weird turn of phrase. When someone's provoking me, when they're pushing my buttons, when they're getting on my last nerve, I'm like, that guy better stop provoking me or I'm going to give him a knuckle sandwich, right? That's normally how we use the word provoke. It's like it's a negative context. But, G but here's what in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this. It says, provoke each other to love. Now, I think when he's talking love there, it's not just, oh yeah, love, man. I just love everybody. Woo, yeah, it's all good. No, it's not some hippy-dippy thing, all right? He's talking about relentless love. Love that goes the extra mile. Love that is relentless. That's the Jesus kind of love. 
It's not, it's not this deep. It's deeper than the ocean. Now, what does real love look like? Well, it says it right there. Provoke one another unto love and good works. You see? God is provoking us, right, to love like we've never loved before. Love people past their bad behavior, past the way they look, past the way they act, past the way they smell even, whatever. Push past all that because there's something like gold in there to God. And he wants us to enjoy that treasure, but he's provoking us. Now, I want to give you the amplified version. Same verse, a little different translation because I think it kind of makes it come alive, unpacks it. All right, check this out. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider, think about this, give attentive, focused, in other words, continuous, nonstop care to watching over one another. Studying each other, how we may stir up, in other words, stimulate and incite each other to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. So, in other words, God is calling all of us to be shepherds. We're all pastors. I don't know if you knew that. He's placed you strategically wherever you're at, at work, at school, in your neighborhood, to care for people, to study exactly how they, what's their love language, to find it out because you study them. Because here's the deal. The Lord is trying to take us from babies who drink milk to mature believers with a master's degree in loving people. People, I know how to love people like crazy. I'm like jujitsu. I'm like a ninja when it comes to love. I can love any kind of person, anytime, anywhere. I'm ready. You know what I mean? I've trained. I've prepared. I'm equipped. That's where God is taking us, is to learn how to love like never before. We're learning how to be coaches. You know, God says to provoke one another, to, to go for it. You got this. You can sleep out. You can get cold in the rain. You can go out in the relief bus. You can go serve, right, at the old folks' home. You can go on a mission trip for clean water. You got this. That's what we're supposed to do for each other. Stir each other up. Incite each other. Not incite to a riot. Incite to love. You know, one pastor uh, put this whole concept this way. I think it's pretty awesome. He said, Jesus doesn't dominate the other or control them. He doesn't avoid the other. He doesn't colonize or take over the other. He doesn't intimidate the, the other. He doesn't demonize the other or marginalize, push out to the fringe, the other. Jesus, he incarnates, he becomes the other. He joins the other in solidarity. He listens to the other. He serves the other. other. He even lays down his life for the other. Now, you may be hearing all this and like feeling a little nervous, like, oh, wow, this sounds like God stuff, but I don't really know uh, if I can do this, one because I'm not used to talking to people and I'm kind of afraid and, hey, I get it. I, I, I'm not, I, you know, we probably have a lot of shy people in here. I'm an introvert. I know introverts become preachers, which is bizarre. It's like a freaking nature, but uh, I really don't like people. I just like to sit at home and keep the door closed, strum my guitar and play PS4, all right? I confess it, I repent, all right? But Jesus is teaching me how to love people because it's not about me. It's about Jesus and it's about the people he loves. So I've got to make space for people in my life. And that's what he's calling us to do. And check this out. This story is going to blow your mind. I was talking about uh, Lauren Lee earlier, one of our outreach leaders. This is a picture of Lauren Lee and our friend uh, who lives on the streets. His name is Warren. And here's what she said. Warren has one of the most soft and genuine souls. The guy's a sweetheart. For over a year now, he has kept a gratitude journal. And every week, 
He would walk over to Chelsea Park and to tell me everything he was grateful for that week and every, re every week what he wrote would be different. You see, Warren has taught me no matter how little we might have, there is always something to be grateful for. Warren sees the beauty in the person, not just the beauty of the person, so grateful to be learning from such a wise brother of mine. Uh, have you ever kept a gratitude journal? I haven't. This guy who doesn't have a roof over his head, day after day is going, God's so good because of this and that, and look what he did for me. Are you kidding me? You see, one of the reasons God wants us to make it a space at the table for a guy like Warren is like, this is the guy who's rich in faith. That's what the Bible says, the poor are rich in faith. How will I ever know that if I don't make a space to learn from this man? Because I have lots of gripes and moanings and groanings and first world problems. I think I've got a journal full of those, you know. But the Lord wants to teach me something through my brother. You see, so part of the reason he wants us to make space at the table is so that we can feast. We can take in the goodness of God. We can learn from our brothers and sisters. We didn't even know they had treasure inside of them ready to give out. Well, I'm going to share a video with you right now, a testimony video about a man named Christoph. He came to the relief bus uh, and we made a space at the table for him and his life was changed forever. I think your life's gonna be changed forever after you watch this video. Take a look. What's your name? My name, my name is Christoph Myers. My birth name is Le Tron Do. Born in Vietnam. And my mom was Vietnamese, my dad was Italian. Lived there for five years and left after the fall of the American Embassy. Keep on? Yeah. Okay. Um, story. My, I was five years old when I left Vietnam. My brother was four. Um, fall of the American Embassy, my mom threw us, took us to the cargo planes with the American soldiers and threw us on there. And they were taking Amerasian kids at, during the airlift after the fall of Saigon, because the Viet Cong were killing the Amerasian kids. And, um, Mom threw us on there and she tried to jump on herself, but they pushed her off. So we were only kids. And uh, so we took off and when the uh, Viet Cong came to the village, um, I lived in Binh South Vietnam, and there's five villages outside of Saigon. And the Viet Cong, before they overran Saigon, the capital, and they overran the villages. And they took my, my sister was three. I was five, my brother was four, my sister was three. They took her, I'd have never seen her again. So I came to the United States and I was placed in a, I was placed in a, a foster home and they adopted me from three to, uh, I mean from six to nine and mom abused me physically and sexually and um, mentally. My social worker took me away and even though all that was going on I didn't want to leave and, but she still did and so I never trusted or loved anybody again. I, I told myself I never would so every placement like my social worker put me in since then I ran away from her. They, silly stuff just to get in trouble and um so i was placed in about 14 15 16 group homes foster homes until i was 16 emancipated as an adult dropped out of school in fifth grade and um and on the streets at 16 years old only two groups of people help you out the gangs or the gays and i didn't run, run with the gays i ran with the gangs and um i joined the agent triad and um made my money selling um 
nickel bags of weed on the streets and um, eventually I I don't know how but I ended up um, getting my meeting this um, Christian girl and um, her name was Wendy and we got pregnant I got her pregnant and we had sex and many times and we got her pregnant so we got married before she asked me to marry her, so baby wouldn't be born, be born in wedlock so I did and um, and her parents didn't accept me at all and, uh, and um, after my marriage um, failed, I recently I just gave up and I said that's it. I'm I'm giving up on everything and um and I ended up in selling my vehicle. I had a Dodge Ram um, um, with a six by twelve enclosed trailer for tools and stuff like that. And uh, um, I bought myself a Ford Explorer, two door sport. It was beautiful. I treated myself. Sold everything less than half price just to get away. And then, so I ended up in New York and. In New York City, midtown Manhattan, money goes so fast and quick, and um, so I didn't know what to do. I talked to people, and they said, "You're a good-looking guy. Um, you could escort $180 an hour." So um, I tried it, and I was escorting for a while, and I'm still escorting, except for the last couple days, and um, yesterday, last night, and today, and um, I never thought it would have end up escorting but um it's not the life that I want to choose for myself or want to tell my son one day that you know I escort but um somehow I gave up on God so hundreds of times so many so many times and long long ago and um somehow I know that he still hasn't given up on me and because of your group there's many other groups out here like I said in my text that um help people feed but you guys give people a chair and a place a table to sit at and they make us feel like, make them feel like people. And um, I sit and I watch, I just sit back and I just watch everything. And I see some of the people, some of these people, homeless people, they get bags from other places and they run and they go and they try to find a place to sit and eat or just sit in a corner and eat their food quick. Here they see their face, they look around, they sit on a chair and a table and it gives them some kind of pride. And I guess when you live on the streets, you're just humiliated. There's no pride in you giving them just tables and chairs and food. It gives them a tiny bit of pride. And it uplifts them and encourages them. And I see it in their face and I feel it in them. But, um, so now, um, I had a homeless uh, lady friend and her um, boyfriend came from South Carolina. And he's a drunk and he beats her up and stuff. And, um, so I helped the girl, Bobby. Um, to stay, uh, not stay with her, but on the streets when she stayed on the streets, just stay with her and, and make sure she was safe and took her to um, Urban Pathways and and they got a place to stay at the Greyhound but um, let her write a note so she stayed at Greyhound and she got home to South Carolina to her friend Elise and, and Florence and she has a place and I talked to her just the other night and she said that I could come to have 50, uh, rooms for $50. She has seven rooms in the house but the house is a mess. It's Elise, her stepdaughter and um, Bobby living there and the house is a mess and there's no guys around and um, she said it's seven rooms, $50 a week for rent and um, she had an opportunity for a guy that, that needs maintenance work done so I said I would take it if, if she would really meant it and I talked to her and she did and she said that you could help me around pay the first week of rent and help me around the house until you get it to get this job and get start getting paid and I said that's an opportunity of a lifetime so who did I call but you, Brett, and I uh, mentioned that to you. I said, can you help me get the ticket? I'll escort and get my money for food, clothes, and everything else, because I just have this one set of clothes on me. And you said, no, stop escorting. 
You'll help me get the food, clothes, and ticket. I don't deserve nothing. So somehow I know that even though you give up on God, he doesn't give up on you. And I say that from the heart because that's why I feel it. And um, all I know is that um, someday, somehow, um, I'll pay it forward. But more importantly than that, if God wants me, I'm broken. I already told you, I'm broken. There's nothing left to me except broken pieces. If he can do something with these, put these broken pieces back together, then I owe him my life. Thank you, Brett. Like I told you, all these other groups have food and stuff. Never have I felt the love of God more in my life. Not at church, not, on, not with eating food. People come for food, I come for spiritual. I need spiritual food. I want the food that lasts. You gave me that a couple weeks ago when we met. You hugged me and said, I love you. I didn't want to let go. In my heart, I never did, and I carry that with me, and that's that's my strength and my joy. So, and you said to give God the honor and the glory, and it comes from Him. So, that He works through people. I remember your text, and I read them over and over and over again when I'm sitting on the subway. And um, so I just want to say thank you with all my heart, and that um, to you, your team, and for these people, they might not say thank you to come for the food and. Thank you for them, for feeding them, for clothing them, and for making them, most importantly, giving them a table and chairs to make them feel like people. And that little bit of stuff you do, you take away that homelessness for this time that you spend with them. And that touches hearts and changes lives. So thank you for that and for them, for doing that for them, and for not giving up on us and for the, on them when the rest of the world and their families have. And you show that God doesn't give up just by you guys being here. So, I thank you. We heard the whole gospel in just one testimony. Salvation, deliverance, redemption, forgiveness, healing, mercy. This is what the Lord is offering. He's offering it to guys like Christoph. He's offering it to us. The Lord has made a space at the table for us. Even through Christoph's story, he's let us feast on his presence to understand how he feels about us. I want to leave you with three challenges this morning. The first one is that I'd like to challenge you to open the door. If you've not let Jesus into your life yet, guess what? Revelations 3.20 says this. It says, here I am, Jesus says. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I'll eat with that person and they with me. If you haven't let Jesus in, this is your opportunity this morning. He's calling you. He wants you. He loves you with a passion. You know, sometimes we think, well, I, I can't open the door and let Jesus in. He's going to see what a mess my table is. My life's a wreck. Guess what? Jesus is out there with a bucket and a sponge. He's like, I can clean this up. No problem. I got this. 
just open the door and let me in. Open your hearts and let him do what he's always wanted to do, which is just love you completely and fully and totally. Number two, I want to challenge you to invite someone to the table. I'm going to ask the ushers at this moment to actually come forward because we're going to give you a tool. This tool is something you can use if, if you meet someone who's struggling with homelessness, and I think we see this all the time, whether we're in New York City or Patterson or Newark or wherever around we travel, we see someone panhandling. I want to give you a tool to actually invite them to a literal table at one of our outreaches. Now on the back, it says free meal, and they can come get soup and bread and hot chocolate, and on the inside is all of our outreach locations, everywhere in New Jersey and New York where we serve. And so we can pass them out now, and when you get it, take, take, a, take one and pass them down so everybody can have one. You can keep this in your wallet or your purse, and here's how you don't do it. You see some of you are like, here, take that. <laughs> don't do that. I know you're nervous, but that's not the way to do things. Act normal. Stop being weird. Just say, oh, hi, how are you? Oh, I, I, I'm all right. What's your name? My name's Bob. Oh, hi, Bob. I'm, I'm one. Um, hey, um, I see you're asking for it. Maybe I'll give you a dollar, right? What I do, I carry a bag of socks. I'm, I'm a weird guy. I have a laptop bag full of socks. Everywhere I go, I pull out a fresh pair of Bomba socks. I go, would you like a pair of new socks? And they're like, yes. I'm like, awesome. Here you go. And I'm like, tell me what's going on. And I just take a minute just to ask who they, what their name is, who they are, how they're doing. And I'm basically acknowledging them as a real person not a homeless person. Homeless people are more people than they are homeless. And so by acknowledging their name and who they are, it just says, I, I value you. Shake their hand. Nice to meet you. Touch them. Don't be afraid of disease. And then say, you know what? I think you might be interested in this. This is a great organization, and they actually have free food. It's delicious, but they help with all kinds of other things, shelter and medical care and job training. You know, would you be interested? And say, yeah, great, all right. And you give it to them. And this is what I like to do too. This is like a five-minute experience. You say, would it be okay if I prayed for you before I go? And because you've been nice to them and you gave them a buck or a pair of socks, they're like, yeah, you're pretty cool, you know? You're nice to me. You seem to like me. Yeah, I do. I literally met a man a couple weeks ago who heard me speak. And he said, Juan, when you told me to talk to people who were struggling with homelessness, I was terrified because I would run from them. And he said, but the other day, this guy was panhandling, and I was like, uh-oh, this is my chance. And he said, I said, hey, what's your name? He said, my name's Lenny. And he goes, hey, Lenny, nice to meet you. And the guy was like shocked because I started a conversation. And he's like, oh, wow. And he said, I gave him a dollar, and I, I got to know him. And he goes, for the first 30 seconds, I thought I was afraid in my mind that I was going to get stabbed or shot. But then, Lenny turned out to be a really awesome guy. And we had this great conversation. And now, I can do this with every person I meet that's like Lenny in that position. That's where the Lord's trying to take us, to where we can love people with a master's degree. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. They're just people, right? Lastly, third challenge is I want to invite you to join our table. You know, Liquid goes out on the relief bus every month to Newark. Uh, but maybe you want to go to another location. Maybe you want to go at a different time. You can join our table. And this is the time when you can pull out your phone in church, and it's not against, you know, the law. And you can actually sign up. 
I'm gonna, we have it on the screen here. You, all you have to do is text NYC Relief to 22828. Then you'll get a link and you put your name and email address and you'll have a link and a connection to know how I can volunteer. To take my kids, to take people from work, to take my family, my neighbors, whatever, go with people from Liquid. We want you to come out and serve with us. We would love that. And so this is your opportunity. Just send NYC Relief to 22828 and you can get connected and serve and meet a guy like Christoph maybe. Who knows? That may be your like God moment to change someone's life forever. Amen? I'm going to wrap us up in prayer. Let's pray. God, what an amazing morning. What an amazing night. Lord, all these people sleeping out in the cold and the rain in solidarity with those who are struggling and are forgotten and voiceless and powerless. But Lord, you sent your people to step up for them. God, we're thankful for that. Thankful for this church caring for the poor, caring for the least, the last, and the lost. Lord, would you show us Lord, we hear your call. We heard your, your, your word. Teach us how to make a space at the table for people who are hurting and lonely and broken, whoever, maybe our coworker or a fellow student or a neighbor, or could even be someone who's homeless. We need to take out to lunch to share a hot dog or a hamburger, God. I don't know, but God, break us free. Loose our lips. Loose us to be the light in the world, God. You created us for this. It's our purpose, our calling, is to love people into your kingdom, to be their friends, and to show them what Jesus looks like. Lord, we've got a lot to work on. Lord, would you transform us by the renewing of our mind. Use us powerfully for your kingdom. And for those, God, who tonight, Lord, this morning, we're just saying, you know what? I need to open the door. I need to open my heart to let Jesus in. Lord, right now, would you come and go into their heart and come in and be close and intimate and be their best friend. And Lord, come in and eat with them and share your heart and let them share their heart with you, God. Bring healing, bring restoration, bring peace, bring salvation today. God, this is your time. This is your hour. You are igniting us, God. You are mobilizing the army to go to war, to fight for people's hearts, to fight for their lives, and to show them they matter to you, God. Thank you for choosing us, Lord. Here am I, send me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Guys, amen. we thank Juan Galloway. Love you, brother. Thank you. Grateful for you, man. You are a gift to the church. Juan's going to head out to the, uh, the atrium. He's going to be signing books today. You can pick up a copy on the way out. It's provoked. You will find it not just provocative, but powerful. I mean, was that amazing? Some of these stories of life transformation. Guys, there's always hope with Jesus. There really is. And we're seeing the light penetrate the darkness. So again, from my heart to yours, thank you guys so much just for participating in our Homeless Church two-week outreach. Uh, next Sunday is Mother's Day. I'm bringing my mama. You bringing your mama? Make sure you bring your mama. We're going to have a great celebration here. I look forward to seeing you then. God bless you guys. You are dismissed. We'll see you then.